So, retrospectors, what historical events are we ticking off on this week's run of Today in History? Well, Monday is the anniversary of the day Roger first publishes famous thesaurus. Then on Tuesday, we say happy birthday, Mr. Potato Head. On Wednesday, the extraordinary stories of the child soldiers who fought in the American Civil War. On Thursday, how King James changed the word of God. And on Friday, what did spam emails look like in 1978? We discuss this and more on Today in History with the retrospectors. Ten minutes every weekday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to For Formula One's Sake. The whoa, 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 wait a second. I thought New Year, New Season, we should have a new theme tune. Yes. So I've prepared a little surprise for you all. Here we go. Welcome to For Formula One's Sake, the only F1 punk. Guys, I'm really, I'm really not feeling this. What are you talking about? Ooh, Bottas did a whoopsie. Do you think it needs more drums? Welcome to For Formula One's Sake, the only F1 podcast that slept in and missed the race. Don't know who that's well, about. Well, yeah, hang on. Welcome to For Formula One's Sake, the only F1 podcast that messes up a pit stop. I won't do it again, boss. I, I promise. <laughs> Welcome to For Formula One's Sake, the only F1 podcast that messes up a pit stop again. Right, just to be clarified, that was me, is sorry. it anti-clockwise to Titan or <laughs> Righty-tighty, lefty-loosey. <laughs> Welcome to For Formula One's Sake, the Formula One podcast that's always in party mode. There is no party mode. Just a half. I'm G. Graz, and today from Picture House Central in London's Piccadilly Circus, we are going to talk about the first Grand Prix of 2018, featuring the new, more overtaking campaign. It was a waste of time, there were barely any overtakes. And we saw Hayas' heartbreak as hardly anyone had any success. That's great. <laughs> that is all to come. Joining me is a man who recorded an interview with one of the most important men in F1 this week, and we are all looking forward to hearing it. It's Phil Tromans. So about that, I sat down today with genuinely one of the most important men in F1. It was a chap called Rob Wilson. Never heard of him. Was he in the Kaiser Chiefs? (laughs) That's right. Rob Wilson is driver coach to 13 of the current Formula One grid. So by that you mean he takes them in a coach to all the races? No. <laughs> you can share a seat. He doesn't drive a coach. Oh. He is a driver coach. Basically, he teaches half the current F1 grid how to be faster. Many of them he's worked for from lots of times since before they were in F1. Uh, he does all this all on an old airfield in Leicestershire. And he it teaches them all dodgy. in a Vauxhall Astra. Genuinely, it's, a, it's one of those stories where if you wrote it, people go, that doesn't sound real. He's this mid-60s chap in his, uh, from New Zealand, smokes like an absolute chimney but drives like a demon. And he's exceedingly bus. good at telling people how to be faster. So, so I went out and I did a brilliant interview with him, which I recorded on my computer with great. my little microphone. Oh, let's listen to it. 
It turns out that my microphone perhaps isn't quite as directional as I thought it was, because while you can hear all my questions in crystal clarity, you can't really hear what he says. Well, can you give us a tidbit? Basically, it's all about l thinking more and learning more about vehicle dynamics and what the car is doing in terms of the attitude and the physics of how it goes around corners. And he sort of breaks it down and sort of says, why are you doing this, why are you doing that? And I went out with him and he improved my lap time dramatically around the track just by sort of massaging my technique. So he took you to his airfield. That's right. He massaged your technique. Yeah. And we'll see you and on you the grid next year. All over <laughs> I'm the super grid. quick now. Um, we, there were a load of journalists there. It was a Vauxhall van because they supply his cars. With one driver to go, I was the fastest journalist by a second. And then Piers Ward from Top Gear beat me by a tenth. I was very annoyed. And alongside him is a man who slept like a baby. It's Terry Saunders. Okay, so full disclosure. Important race of the year, first race. Yeah, I, all very excited. I was quite drunk the night before and got in <laughs> at about 3am. 4am on new money because the clocks went forward. And decided, because I wanted to get up at 5 to watch the race, that I wouldn't go upstairs and sleep in a bed with my wife. Mm. I would sleep on the sofa and then wake up in an hour... And then tweet about the race, probably quite drunkenly, probably probably in hindsight, good job I didn't. My wife comes down at like 8 o'clock, I totally <laughs> slept in, and she's like, oh, maybe 7 o'clock, and she's like, uh, I thought you didn't, didn't come home last night. And I was just like, oh, I slept here because I'm watching the race. I was like, oh, actually, I better put the race on, thinking it's 5. Put the telly on, and it's, it's like 45 laps in. <laughs> and I'm, and I'm, I'm so tired and drunk and confused that my reaction was... You know when you wake up really tired and you don't know what's going on? Is that I looked at it and went, oh, that's interesting. They've put new graphics on the old replays. <laughs> and then after like a second, I was like, oh, and they've put the halos on the old cars too. <laughs> what are the chances? Oh, shit, I've missed the race. <laughs> Chica. Hey, Chica. What have you been up to this week? Well, guys, I was the face of For F1's Sake. Oh, you've always Not been the face. In, stop it. Not in London. What? I went outside of the UK into what? Europe. What? Where? Which is now outside Brexit? the UK. Brexit, thank God. Vienna. It means nothing dum, to dum, me. Dum, Poor dum, McKenna. Dum. <laughs> you, you probably all have heard of it. It's the Radio Days Europe Conference. Is there a question mark at the end of it on the backdrop? <laughs> yes. <laughs> a fairly geeky event, I'll be honest with you. D-A-Y-S-S. D-A-Y-Z. Oh, shit. No, not really. Oh. Of course it was S. And uh, people went to talk about uh, listening to things. I stood up with some other people that make sports podcasts. Yes. What? And talked about, for F1's sake. No way. Now, the thing is, is the other two podcasts were very, very successful. And they had almost 600 like million listeners Like each, us. And they lived off them. They, earned, they were living in huge manners friendly. you didn't give the real numbers out did you yeah all of them oh, God, yeah. I, mean, it's, I, I think we, we go for quality rather than quantity so anyway it was the most nerve wracking thing I've ever done and when I get nervous you probably notice my face goes insanely red so I thought okay so I went to the toilet I thought god I, I look good sprayed <laughs> some hairspray over my hair and then realised that it was actually deodorant <laughs> so I was a sil <laughs> silver fox this is like police academy <laughs> <laughs> And now, like Max Verstappen at Turn 1 in Albert Park, we are going to do a full 360 spin as we attempt to negotiate Listener's Corner, where we listen to you as you rant and rave and swear at everything that's happened in F1 lately. 
So we're going to start in Australia, where the race was, and we're going to look at the two hottest new rookies on the scene. Not much has been made of the last name brothers in the off-season, but the TLA teammates captured the imagination of the world as they battled in Melbourne. Now, Ross Middleton asked if one of the last names, he doesn't say which one, is our new favourite driver. But Mark Stokes says those last name fanboys are the worst. Tristan Clayton said, fine, steady drives from the last name brothers, stayed out of trouble, conserved the engine, podium by Barcelona. But seriously, could we be looking at a last name making a run for the title if TLA managed to give them the card that they obviously deserve? Well, this is the big question, isn't mm. it? I mean, these guys have come out of absolutely nowhere. Guys, I was asleep during the race. I don't know what the <laughs> fuck you're talking have about. Have you still not seen it? I've seen the race, but I may have... Right, maybe basically, a bit. you know those fancy new graphics, which I think we'll talk about later. Really good graphics. There was <laughs> a point, well, you know, that comes up saying well, who's where and who's got the gap to what. And at one point during the race, it flashed up that driver last name <laughs> of the team TLA had a seven-second gap to driver last name oh, of the team TLA. So clearly, this is about the the forces of nature that mm-hmm. are the last name brothers and this you know new TLA team you remember the you know the hubbub that was around Haas when they came in a couple of years yeah. nothing to what's happening about the TLA team they're going to be the next big thing it's just nepotism isn't it though you know, it's because there was wasn't it Barry last name in 1957 and he's he's now running the team <laughs> yeah um, you know made billions from made uh, a load in Indy with uh, Mario from, last name and yeah, Luigi last yeah, name and he's like the you know the birth certificate magnate so moving on, Nathan Smith says, you can talk for hours about all the great overtaking we saw. Ha! Ben Oswald said, do you think Australia needs a purpose-built F1 track? Unless it rains, the racing in Melbourne is so farking boring. It is farking boring. Mm, that's right, Ben. But that's why we get up at four in the morning for it. Or not. <laughs> or, or not. I blame the clock's changing. Great BBC highlights. Actually, I blame the dicks in the bar I was in going, you've got two hours in this bar, then after an hour shutting the bar because the clock's went forward wanker carry on okay ross chaplin said albert park is a bit shit for overtaking it's nearly as bad as abu dhabi bring back adelaide or even better bathurst well abu dhabi obviously has a great hotel and mm-hmm. wonderful wi-fi oh, the facilities I'm told. the facilities <laughs> oh but the most boring racetrack in the universe well is it but Wes Paul stops, says, no, if an F1 went to Bathurst, they'd have to sanitise it first. It'd ruin a great old track. Could you imagine if Tilka was let loose on it? Well, first things first, sanitising things is not bad. That Bathurst track is disgusting. What? <laughs> How? How is it disgusting? Just, just dirty. Albert Park. It was a fucking boring race. It's always a boring race. It's fine. Do you know how many overtakes there were during the race? Five. When you have a race of how many cars? 20 cars? 22 20 however cars? However many teams there are. It depends if you count Over <laughs> however many laps there were. Five overtakes. Five. And there were three DRS zones. They put another DRS yeah. zone in and so it was why? still only why? five overtakes. Why was the other DRS because, zone? Oh, they, well, because it's impossible to overtake yeah, that. Yeah, but and why, the I mean, reason, why didn't that work? Because it's the fucking cars. It's the same thing for the past 20 years, mm. is the cars rely way too heavily on aerodynamics, and mm-hmm. even if you're much quicker than everybody else, as Lewis proved in, ha- in qualifying, if you pull up within half a second of the car in front, your car stops working, and you can't get close, and you can't overtake. And I got so annoyed. By the end of the race, I was genuinely annoyed. I got up at 10 to 6 in the morning, or Good whatever on it was, <laughs> unlike some people, and I'd sat through this. And okay, there was some other interesting stuff going on, but the racing action was largely bollocks. 
for all the changes that have been made, they don't address the fundamental problem with F1 at the moment, which is that, which is that aerodynamics has got way too advanced to have entertaining sports. I said when they launched the new cars this year that with all those little flicks and bobbles and jiggly bits on the cars this year, I looked at that and my heart sank. Yeah, and, and I, I, I totally correctly. I hoped against hope that you were wrong because I think visually they look all right, apart from the halo. But you were absolutely right. It's a following competition, and you've got to wait for somebody to either fuck up, or well, no, you've got to wait for somebody to fuck up, or you've got to rely on. Well, you can't rely on three DRS zones, apparently. Well, don't it's worry. Bullshit. Ross Brawner said he's going to fix it in 2021. <laughs> right. So I let's mean... have a hiatus of the podcast <laughs> until how many years away is that? Three. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about the more important things. Music. With the melody of a screaming V10 now just a distant memory, Formula One has a new official theme tune, composed by Brian Tyler from Queen. No. Sorry. Brian Tyler from Aerosmith. Sorry. Brian Tyler, Hollywood composer known for the tracks like the theme from The Fast and The Furious and some music in Avengers Age of Ultron. So is it any good? Well, let's hear a little clip. I am now ready for a fight. I'm ready for this loading screen to finish. <laughs> I kind of want some sort of spy drama to happen after it, or medical drama. What did the, the listeners say? Well, actually, funny you should ask that, Phil. Ryan Simpson said, I wasn't keen on the new theme music when I first heard it, but when I saw it in context in the race build-up, I actually really liked it. It's grown on me. It still sounds like Pirates of the Caribbean, though. It does. Gareth Rubin Ling said... Kind of like overdramatic whale song. <clears throat> and Karen Kelly sums it up with It Is Shite. It's all of those things. Mm-hmm. It's like a kind of shite dramatic whale song <laughs> that grows on you. I'm the same as Ryan. I thought it was sounded shit originally. Then when there's a, because they use it in the bit where they do like the track Mac and David Crofty does his kind of old stuff. Like, oh, this is going to be the race. The last 2.5 kilometres. Yeah, the last lap here was Three four DRS long and whatever he says. And it's, it kind of works with that. But it doesn't stop the fact it's, at best, mediocre. It's very generic. Music. It's like, just like, I, I keep expecting John Fashionu to come out and shout a wooga. And the cats. Meow. Meow. That's the best bit. It's like But that's the thing. So it starts off with this music that doesn't make any sense. And then it sort of seems like he's been like, oh, shit, I need to make it exciting. So then he kicks into Pirates of the Caribbean. And you're like, where has this come from? And then it fades out and that's it. But what would music be without graphics? Now, the 2018 TV coverage has some sexy new graphics to go with a sexy new logo, sexy new music and some sexy new last name brothers. Luke Wilmot said, the new graphics are nice. Great stuff, Luke. Yeah. Simon Lance says, don't the new graphics just remind you of Wipeout on the PlayStation? Even the F1 logo looks like a team symbol from that game. I did not play that game. I did play that game, and I can't tell if he says that's a bad thing or a good thing, but but Wipeout on the PlayStation was amazing. And if Formula 1 could be anywhere near as exciting as (laughs) a 25-year-old PlayStation game, I am up for that. The graphics are bloody amazing. I think they're generally all right, actually. I think they look nice. No, 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 not generally all right. They're actually a triumph. One of the few moments of Formula 1 where they've made the same graphics 
They've, they've done the whole square around the whole box, so you can, you've now got the sectors coming in and they made it all simple. They've got, they weirdly use all the team logos yeah, tightly. Yeah, that was the one stupid. thing I was like, didn't like that, that didn't work. It makes it too busy, especially on standard definition. Thanks, Guy, for charging so much. And also, the countdown in qualifying, when it gets towards the end, the number goes red. Red on a black background, doesn't work, can't see it, especially in standard definition. Thanks, Guy. But aside from that, Great stuff. Now another news. Bernie won't die. Sorry, go away. The scrotal has-been tyrant of F1 was interviewed by Adam Cooper for Autosport and whinged about being sacked and about F1 moving out of what was literally his house in London. He also said that Chase Carey didn't speak to him much anymore. And it was because of Ross Braun that he got the boot. Because Ross doesn't like him. No shit, Sherlock. God, he tries to make this like an episode of Friends, doesn't he? <laughs> Bernie desperately trying to stay relevant. Just go away. And also, Liberty will reveal their blueprint for the future of Formula One next week. And we are sure it is going to be greeted with universal acclaim and solve all of the sport's problems. The plans will include details about engines from 2021, no hybrid bits, standardised parts, probably, and possibly some commercial stuff. That's all we know, but it'll probably kick off. What do we want to see? We want to see aero being banned entirely. Yeah, no aero. We want to see no engines either. That's what? Not, no, engines that's have been holding Formula One back for the last few years. No halo. Let's just have a running race. Let's just make Formula One 800 meters. They all wear lycra. Pascal Verlaine comes back. We're done. Thank you. <laughs> so, what do you think? Email us like the Luddite you are at wrong at ff1s.com you can tweet us at for f1's sake or you can find us on Facebook where we're for f1's sake like our page and you too can have your say on Listener's Corner So now let's break down the Australian Grand Prix with the teams Now starting with Ferrari Vettel won even though Ferrari's average pace around turns was about the same speed as a slow jog somehow he came out ahead after the virtual safety car what happened well well as our resident <laughs> car expert you should explain this means the virtual safety car terry's got no idea what thanks very much terry well i think it's um uh, if you remember it was international women's week the other week so i think we should pass this over to chica <laughs> to explain mm. how things happened so basically from from my perspective of bbc highlights because i couldn't get up in time was hamilton pitted and then somehow vettel was f- much faster that's it him. i mean that's the technical explanation that's it. yeah it was it was, it was a fuck up by mercedes wasn't it well we'll come back to mercedes but my favorite bit was that raikkonen and his charisma were back on form being in third place and no sign of even a slight smile all weekend. Nobody expected him to be in third place. I feel pretty rotten for Raikkonen. Now, bear in mind, I am going to, from the next race on, slag him off and say he's a he's an old man, needs to retire, etc., etc. But he outqualified Vettel. He was second ahead of Vettel for the whole most, like the first main part of the race. He wasn't ever going to challenge Hamilton. You can't overtake anyway. But he was a comfortable second, which. In terms of the first race of the season, you know, that's going to upset Ferrari a little bit because he doesn't want to be the number one driver, like yada, yada, yada. And then somehow, Vettel, by just gaming the VSC system... By not pitting. ...and just blagging it, got ahead of him. And when actually Raikkonen was quicker than him all, all weekend. He was just banking on there being a safety car, a VSC, and by sheer luck, there was. Sheer luck? Or... or... <laughs> well, let's discuss that when we get to... <laughs> Well, let's move on to Mercedes then. They thought they had loads of time, as we said, but they didn't have loads of time. In the press conference after qualifying, though, Hamilton said, 
I am going to wipe the smile off Vettel's face, which is just embarrassing. Could the first Grand Prix have actually crushed Hamilton's ego? Also, Bottas was a massive letdown. Was it bad pit stop timing or, as they said, a software malfunction? Yes. It was all which of those one? things. It was all of them, yes. Okay. This is this is actually a really interesting question of <coughs> is Formula One in the wrong place? Because the data, we've talked about this before, it's ruled by data these days, it's supercomputers in various factories that are crunching all these numbers. Whereas if you look up from your screen and go we should actually be a bit more in the lead than this if there's a safety car. But instead, the numbers are going, oh, actually, if Hamilton stays 10.4 seconds ahead, then we're going to be fine. But no data will stop the fact that Bottas was an absolute <laughs> twat this yeah. weekend. How, I mean, I'd imagine you get pretty good bet, a pretty good odds on him keeping his seat because he ain't gonna. He is... I mean, the pressure is on him this year. He's only got a one-year contract. He's got to perform and it's not going well. <laughs> promptly doesn't. Bins it in qualifying and then is just nowhere in the but race. Considering he's got the fastest car there. But in fairness, you can't overtake. Can't overtake, yes, that's true. Because F1 is broken. What a great year this is going to be. And you, dear listener, with your four million podcasts of us going, <laughs> it's a bit shit. <laughs> <laughs> this is, I presume we all agree, a bit of shitty luck and a bit of a fuck up by Mercedes that by sheer chance has cost them the win so you're not expecting to well, see that again cost Hamilton the win to be honest this year Hamilton's going to fucking walk it so anything that puts him slightly on the back foot yeah. is better for me I- and to be honest he's someone who actually when he's on the back foot can sometimes deal with it pressure wise or sometimes just bottles it and actually for exciting championship we need him to fucking bottle it <laughs> yeah I mean there's still going to be excitement in F1 like Bottas mm. Bottas has bottled it yeah <laughs> okay Red Bull so after not a bad qualifying it was a relatively disappointing race in our pre-season predictions, Phil thought the Red Bull could be better than Ferrari, didn't you? And Terry Probably. said, yes, I'm going to quote you, Terry. Oh, give you, do you my want, accent. Do you want to quote yourself? Oh, I do an accent. What okay. accent do I have, would you say? How would you uh, say? You have this, Mild Gloucestershire. this sort of voice. RB have been really good at being rubbish at the start of the year. Then they're getting good at the end. They weren't quite up there with Ferrari Ricardo in the race. The, but in Ricardo, qualifying, they weren't far off. But Ricciardo got the fastest lap of the race. Yeah, no, I mean, don't get me wrong, they weren't far away. Verstappen only probably didn't get second in qualifying because he made that tits up at the last but one corner. Oh, he made a mistake. Is he maybe not as good as you both thought he was? Let's not get into that. He had again. that unfortunate spin. Oh, he made a mistake Well, that, no, that was in the, in the race. He yeah, was just yeah. trying too hard and spun oh, out. So he, he, he was scrappy in the race. Like, you can't defend him. I can't, well, I don't want to defend him. <laughs> this I want to attack him. We always like I've always him, said, though. he's rubbish. He's not rubbish. He's awful. Excuse me, Terry. Ricardo this was joke has got behind old, Terry. him. This joke is not old because <laughs> evidence is proving that he is shit. And you've all been duped by his celebrity. Didn't Ricardo have the fastest lap, though? Yes. But they why said, is he so low, then? They said they were stuck behind cars the whole race. Couldn't overtake. Couldn't overtake, so they couldn't and show he had it. A, he had that three-place penalty for being a twat under mm-hmm. red flags. Yeah, absolutely unforgivable. If you yeah. fuck up under red flags, then you're going home. You've got to start the race from your house. <laughs> <laughs> he's from Perth, so that's quite a quite a handicap. Well, but from but all of them, he's doing the closest. <laughs> the closest he'll ever be. Okay, McLaren. This was really not bad, and considering how much we slagged them off in the past episode, yeah, they did right. I personally feel embarrassed. Now, it was the best result since 2016, which sounds really good, but actually it isn't yeah. that good, is it? Best result from when they were shit. So Alonso <laughs> finished in fifth, but 
Thinking about it, Hayes did retire and Verstappen was cocking it up in front. So in theory, they sort of finished eighth. And Bottas. Where did Bottas come in the end? He was behind them, wasn't he? So that was that's another place. That's true. Good there point. Was a really Which is wi- about the same as last year. Pretty much. Considering how woeful they were in testing. What did you think of the Renault engine? Well, it's fine. It didn't there, blow up. There was a really weird bit where in the race, the commentary, they were talking about when Alonso was ahead of Verstappen but behind uh, Ricciardo. And they were going, well, now we're going to see the McLaren Renault versus the Red Bull Renault and which car's better as Ricciardo pulled away at like a second lap. <laughs> no, no. And yet he kept ahead of Verstappen. They're going, he can keep ahead of Verstappen. But it's like, yeah, but Ricciardo's going off a rate yeah, of knots. He can keep ahead of Verstappen because he can't bloody yeah. overtake. I mean, this kind of pours quite a lot of water on the argument that McLaren were only being hamstrung by the Honda engine. And they said, oh, if we had the right engine, we'd be... Now Now you have this three-way benchmarking system between Renault, Red Bull and McLaren, all using the same engine. And I think it's fairly obvious that McLaren are not as good as they thought they were. Although, can I just say, as an interjection at this point, I am very satisfied this year with the colours of the cars. Okay. There's something very pleasing. Apart the from the Sauber. Orangey McLaren looks nice against the yellowy Renault. Apart the Ferrari the doesn't look right. The Ferrari is much more red because it hasn't got the big white bit anymore. Yeah. So Force actually, India kind of blends in as well. You've got a nice pink. Force India is very pink. Many cars have gone for a solid colour this year, which is unusual. And actually, I think Formula One is better for it. Apart from all when, the rules. When the Sa- one of the Saubers was coming towards the camera, and I thought it was Williams. Ah, but that's fine because you go white car must be at the back. Renault, not a bad weekend for them. Uh, however, the reason Sainz wasn't on the podium was not because he had a bang average car or messed up the safety car. No, it was his tummy ache. If it wasn't for Haas, this would be the story of the weekend. It was tremendous. Because, do you know what happened? Yeah, yeah. Someone so tell his, me. his water pipe was splurting water into his mouth, but he couldn't stop it. Yeah, basically the pump had malfunctioned and it was literally just... It was basically, this car was waterboarding him. Yeah. So the but thing what was is, bad is at the time, I was like, wimp, woo, and then found out. And it's like, what a hero. He but managed the to thing finish. Is, so one thing I've learned from years before in Formula 1, and I presume this is still the same, but the water doesn't come out cold. You say water, you think it's cold. But actually, because it all goes around the water bags stored by the engine and stuff. Brackish. It's actually kind of tea temperature. So it's kind of tepid. <laughs> so he's got this kind of warm liquid being forced into his mouth. Instead of just like letting it dribble down his overalls, he goes, I don't know I'm going to do this. I'm going to drink the fucking car dry. <laughs> no. he, drinks, he keeps drinking water until he says, I've drunk so much water I feel sick. <laughs> I thought it I'd not actually <laughs> thought of that. Why didn't he just dribble it out? And... Because he's got a helmet on. Well, can, I mean, it's not airtight. It's comedy. not like a space helmet. <laughs> Tell me what I should do. Should I stop drinking the water? <laughs> no, Carlos. Keep drinking it. Keep drinking the water. Never stop. <laughs> oh, oh, good on him, though. <laughs> I didn't see when he got out of the car. Did he kind of just slough out, looking like four times as big <laughs> as when he ran for the toilet? <laughs> He's just like, I've got to go. Uh, anyway, I've got nothing to say about Hulkenberg. Yeah. I'll give him one. He. Well, they both got points. It was reasonable and spectacular. Did all right. Whilst we're here track. on Renault, can we spare a thought for Julian Palmer, Please. who is actually quite a good commentator? I said this last race, I isn't know. he? I didn't listen last to the Radio Five. Sorry, you last cannot for podcast. the last. 
two years we've been slagging him no, off. No, no. You can't I go was, all of a sudden and be like, oh, no, do you know what? He's still a terrible driver, but turns out really kind of charming. Yeah, I mean, I Unlike didn't... his father, who went from driving to commentating and was an absolute terrible commentator. So, you know. I've not actually listened to his commentary, but I did listen to the Five Live podcast yeah me too same difference and yeah no <laughs> hang on bbc he's, he's do commentary what? he's good he's good on the podcast he's good yeah he's charming he's funny he's not on at christmas he's yeah. not encumbered by the pressure of being a terrible driver anymore <laughs> so good on him yeah now let's move on to the headliners of the race hey <laughs> oh dear oh god here we go now things were looking actually quite good for Hass. Quite they were doing they were doing really well and well. Magnuson overtook me and Phil's lifelong crush Verstappen <gasps> overrated then Magnuson's pit went wrong and a cross threaded wheel nut meant the race was over did Haas learn from their mistake no exactly the same thing happened to Grosjean who is getting sacked? Well, they've both—they've all said they're not going to fire the mechanic who clearly yeah. fucked up. It's so, just going to be. Check. Was it the same one both times? No, it was front left for Grosjean and rear left for Magnussen. So it's it's basically Barry and Gavin. <laughs> they're both. It's going to be complete so coincidence that they're not going to be at the race in Bahrain. Both are in a canal with lots of Hass <laughs> automotive spanners in their pockets. But apart from that, totally fine. But. What is a cross-threaded wheel nut? No or is one it too boring knows. to talk about? I so, do know exactly what that is. Oh, here we go. Is it interesting enough to talk about? So, you know when you screw something onto something? No. Nope. Steady. Um, let's say you've got a, a bolt and you're screwing on a nut to the bolt. There's a thread that you get it on and you go blip, 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 mm-hmm. blip, and it tightens up. If you put do that on slightly watch. wonkily and you turn it, it then sort of chews up the thread and balls everything up. And you can tell if you've done it slightly wrong because it starts to screw and then you get horrible resistance. You're like, oh, I've done this wrong. If you're doing that at stupidly high speed with a powerful pneumatic thing, you basically fuck it completely. And that's oh. what they apparently did, assuming that that's what they did. But the best bit was when they kind of go, right, oh, they fucked up fuck. the first pit stop. That is unforgivable in Formula 1 to really... It's a big I mistake. mean, they do all the talk afterwards of going like, we win as a team, we lose as a team, but really, one blow, fuck this yeah. up. Barry and Gavin fucked this up. And you see the guy slamming the door and going out, and then it's almost like you're going, uh, everyone, calm down, it won't happen again, what are the chances of going on? <laughs> and next stop, because apparently what happened is that they, they their, their automatic green light system is too quick for people to go, hang on, something's gone well, wrong I'm not here. sure it's automatic. I think there's somebody just pressing the button to go, go! And it was, was me. just too trigger happy, was on it? The, on the Sky TV app. <laughs> hey, release! <laughs> yeah, somebody was way too trigger happy and let them go when the when they hadn't done it properly. And, uh, or, alternatively, it was a massive conspiracy. Mm-hmm. Is it coincidence that they both made this highly unusual error in the same race, thus causing a safety car that promotes Sebastian <gasps> Fed. I mean, you know, it, I mean, it does seem like a bit ridiculous. It's almost like, you know, a Renault driver crashing into a wall just to give another <laughs> Renault driver a particularly no. good position in a race. It doesn't, it would never happen. But nevertheless, that's something that people have been saying. Three things. One, Christian Horner called... We're talking about the teams. You went, well, we, we were behind most of the race. We were either behind a Ferrari 2018 or a Ferrari 2017, Ooh. meaning Haas. Oh, bitch. Sick burn. Secondly, I hope this is true, this conspiracy theory. Not because I believe it, but just the idea where they went, right, Haas, we've asked you part of a contract that we can make you fuck up a pit stop twice in a year. All right, okay, <laughs> we'll do it. It's in the contract. I'm not happy about it. We'll do it. They did it. Vettel didn't pit. There's no safety car. They went, right, I'm really sorry, guys. <laughs> 
Can you do it again? <laughs> we weren't we weren't ready. Yeah. We thought Charlie would do more of a sort of safety yeah. car than he actually did. Can you maybe make him like no. people are genuinely taking this seriously? Oh people love a conspiracy. He said three things. Three things. And the third one is the mafia. Ferrari Italy, something to do with the mafia. Wow. It's to do with importing oil. Toro Rosso. Hartley messed up the race and Gasly didn't finish. His, was it his engine just switched off? I don't think it switched off unless it switched off with several puffs of smoke beforehand. It basically went, I'm nostalgic for last year. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, okay. it was weird because... He said it switched off. That's what he said but over the radio. McLaren, in testing, the car kept breaking down left, right and centre and the Toro Rosso was banging round doing One hundreds engine of all laps. testing. What's the conspiracy here? Conspiracy here is that Honda are shit at making engines. Okay, Force India. No points and overtaken by Renault, which was a disappointing race for one of my favourite teams of last season. Was it just a bad time behind the virtual safety car or was it just a really unlucky race? Or could it be a less impressive season for Force India? Basically, all three. The last two years, at the start of the season in our testing podcast, I've gone, Force India are going to be shit this year because they've got no budget and there's no way they can compete against the good teams and then they go on to be really good so this year I learnt my, from my mistake and said in the last podcast I think Force India are going to be really good this year which means they are shit yeah it's they were fault. nowhere really were they they looked pretty slow all Thing the is, way through the weekend Red Bull are doing better McLaren are doing better Renault are doing better they've just fallen behind Arse are doing better apart from Arse. pit stops they were sort of hanging out with Sal but weren't they Bless them. Yeah, I mean, they, they don't look great. They they look better than Sauber and they look better than Williams. Williams! Exactly. So in lap five, Sirotkin came to a halt with brake difficulties. Well, according to Williams, the brakes were actually fine, but instead it was a small sandwich bag in his exhaust. Pardon? Also, Stroll said he saw a carrier bag on turn one, which is just a bit too convenient because no one else saw any Williams. So I don't know if anyone else was asked about which carrier bags they saw, but... Was this a dog ate my homework slash we're even more shit than we thought we'd be situation? Or do Williams need to work on their team's waste disposal systems? I mean, the best thing about this would have been if after the car comes to a halt, you just see Pastor Maldonado in the crowd, like finishing off a sandwich, <laughs> brushing crumbs <laughs> off his face, going, oh, oh, even when I'm here, every time I'm here, I crash a car. I mean, they did say they found, it was in the brake duct, I think, they found some plastic melted plastic exactly it was melted they reckon they, they claimed reckon, yeah. it was a sandwich bag yeah they reckon a plastic bag of some sort got sucked into the brake dust I mean duck, if anything melted else and fucked everything up. that just makes you want to go to a race with lots of stuff just to throw on the track <laughs> a pigeon <laughs> a bit of mattress do you not think and I'm not saying I was watching it that observantly but do you not think that if there was a carry bag flying around the track we would have seen it It'd be like that bit in American Beauty. Yeah, just sometimes like there's the so much beauty in the world. Isn't it just amazing, Kevin Spe... Oh, no, no, you're not assuming, anymore. <laughs> you're assuming here, Chica, that the cameras were focused on Williams. Mm, because why would they be? Because they were piss slow and at the back of the field. And finally, Sauber. Ericsson had to stand down after not many laps because of dodgy hydraulics. However, Leclerc, who I'm pretty sure we said was going to be great but I'm not entirely sure and if we did then I say that now did very well and he came home in 13th well you know Sauber were just rubbish yep. they haven't got Pascal Verline so they're not even good <laughs> oh, looking as a team anymore fuck 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 Sauber right can I just ask, <laughs> can I say one thing there's a t-shirt we've just been through the entire teams mm-hmm. and we haven't once mentioned the halo I'm over the halo yeah. doesn't matter does it no. yeah great no. I mean Next. it looks shit but 
So then, that brings us on to the standings with Terry Saunders. Okay, first race of the year. No theme, just talking about the drivers. In first place with 25 points is my car this year. is called Fluky Little Bitch. It's Sebastian Vettel. <laughs> Hamilton is in second place with, did I do something wrong? Me, Lewis Hamilton, did something wrong. <laughs> in third place is Raikkonen. Just, okay. <laughs> Nothing to say. Fourth place, don't worry, Daniel. My hometown makes me depressed too. Ricardo with 12 points. And in fifth place is let's get the party started in here. You feeling it yet? Yeah, I'm coming up. It's Alonso with his weird radio message about like, don't get the energy down, man. Oh, yeah. yeah, just like going, oh, yeah, I'm just going to, I want to be. Fernando, we're all with you. Let's do it. Come on. Come on. In sixth place, Max for fuck up and Mustapen is there. And seventh place is, well, uh, Nico, Carlos can use my water bottle, Hulkenberg. And in eighth place is, if I keep going like this, I might be good enough for a job as a Haas mechanic. It's Bottas. And in ninth place, Stoffel Roffel, which doesn't work anymore after watching that McLaren documentary uh, on Amazon. He's the least Roffley man. Stoffel Van Dorn is the most boring person I've ever seen ever. I can't believe he's ever rolled on the floor laughing. And in 10th place, I feel nauseous with all this piss in my mouth. It's signs with one point. And the constructors in number one is nobody suspects anything. Ferrari, 40 points. In second place, Mercedes with Excel crashed. I didn't know what to do. 22 points. Third place, bored already. Red Bull waiting for next year. Fourth, we're nearly as shit as we were three years ago. It's McLaren with 12 points. And... Fifth place, last year we had a wet driver. This year, he drinks. It's Renault with seven points. And now for the state of F1 with Terry Saunders. New rules, fat tyres, low wings, most of the penis nose is gone, and Bernie's gone as well. It's a new dawn for F1. Hallelujah. Wait, don't mention that the race was pretty dull, but it can't be. Only it was. Despite everything, the Australian Grand Prix was a snooze fest of cars stuck behind each other cars and unable to overtake. A problem that is so uniquely F1. Imagine a football match where players can't actually shoot at the goal. It's all down to aerodynamics. A purposely confusing technology that you can't see, but makes F1 shit. Now, I know that sounds like an astute summary of the race this weekend, but that's actually word for word my state of F1 for last year's Australian Grand Prix. And if I, a professional idiot, I can so brilliantly summarise what's wrong with F1, then why isn't it fixed yet? But Terry, wait, not the hostage. They added a, a, th- they added a third DRS zone this year. That must have done something. Well, they may as well have had a bloke with a megaphone seconded from a pedalo pond screaming, come on, number five, let him through. Ross Braun has this week said that overtaking needs fixing and it will probably happen in 2021 if the teams agree to it as long as, you know, everyone's happy and it doesn't cost too much. And you know what? Fuck this. I've got a solution and it's quite simple. Stop being so complicated. Formula One is the pinnacle of everything except making sense. The other day, some old F1-themed Instagram account posted a picture of a Ferrari Formula One car from 1989. The front ring was a straight line. Then I saw a picture of the 2008 McLaren, which looked as if Optimus Prime had had tepid water sprayed into his mouth for so long that he threw up aerodynamic flicks everywhere. (laughs) This year's cars are closer to 2008 than 1989. Aerodynamicists will put their crap everywhere if you let them. They don't see in colour, they see in vortexes and flovis. The solution is obviously simple. Tone down the aero, reduce the reliance on clean air and F1 will get better. But this has been known for years and is clearly impossible to fix. So the next simplest option is clearly to change the laws of physics. <laughs> Let's make gravity go sideways. Bin all that equal and opposite reaction shit and make it really funky. Why did Stephen Hawking have to die this month? He could have helped. <laughs> 
that's all I've got. As a, that's all I've got. It's uh, interesting that you're talking about changing the laws of physics because I'm suddenly drawn back to the old adage of F1 cars could drive upside down on the roof of uh, on the roof of tunnels. And they still you know. couldn't overtake. Well, why don't we make them do that? For a, a lot more exciting. Um, I wonder, having not thought it through at all and having just come up with it now, listening to that, when road cars are launched and in my day job I'm a motoring journalist and hear a lot about this stuff, they very often these days, in the name of fuel economy and efficiency, talk about the drag coefficient of a car, which suggests that they can measure it. So I wonder if you put a limit on the overall drag coefficient of an F1 car, and they can, maybe they can do it any way they want, so they can have all the downforce on the rear wing or all the downforce at the front or something, I don't know, but you can't go above this number that is picked for good overtakingness. Yep, that'll bring back the casual fans. Yeah, there you go, <laughs> solved it. I mean, the cars are too restrictive. The design is too... All the cars look the same. There should be something different. It should be a bold move where they go, like, either you have this much fuel, you can do what you like, you've got this much aero, something or other, like you say, you can do what you like with it, but you can't hit this limit. But it's got to be something bold. But the one thing Formula 1 hates is boldness. So actually, it's got to be shit. The trouble is, how do you encourage the pinnacle and evolution of, of engineering technology while at the same time saying don't make it too good because it'll fuck everything up. Fine people. Okay. <laughs> and that is it from us. It's goodbye to Voltromans. Goodbye. We haven't had time to talk about the newest beef in F1 between Damon Hill and Mercedes. Did you see this? He basically said, the sooner Mercedes and Ferrari break away from F1, the better, as far as I'm concerned. These massive industrial complexes are ruining the sport. They don't want to play. They want it all, all the time. The FIA have lost grip. This is this is sassy Damon, and I quite like it. And Mercedes came back saying, massive industrial complexes ruining the sport. We don't remember you complaining when you were winning all those races with top-of-the-line Renault power, Damon. Meow. Yeah. To which he then replied a great one going, yeah, but you may remember I was quite embarrassed that I was winning so easily. <laughs> ah, take that. Yeah. Kind of like Damon Hill for nostalgic reasons, but I think he's talking a bit nonsense here. I think he's right. And it's goodbye to Terry Saunders. We had no time to talk about Julian Barnes. What? The novelist? Yes. I was reading... Oh, fuck off. Great novelist. Brilliant. Never heard of him. We haven't got time. He is a great novelist who's written many books, but Sense of Ending broke my heart. And he wrote a book called The Only Story, which I brought in hardback, signed copy, walk signs, going quick as chicken eats a wheat. And really good book. Nothing to do with this podcast at all, except in the last chapter, he talks about Max Verstappen for a bit. So I had a really good novel, and at the end, it was about Formula One. The end, thanks, bye. What was his name? Julian Barnes. Never heard of him. So we'll be back in two weeks' time to discuss the Bahrain Grand Prix. But in the meantime, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and review us on iTunes, and buy a bloody T-shirt. I can help with that. There's a website for the T-shirt, and um, the website is www.ff1s.com forward slash Amazon. <laughs> right, does that actually exist? Uh, Do you ever actually update the URLs t- so this works? You know, no one ever really goes to them, as far well, as I can tell. Well, no, we want them to, though, because that's our main source. It's our only source of income. No one's listening by this point. They're all going on. What's the next problem? Go to set the work. thing up so people can buy the podcast. Chica needs a wee. Need a wee. Come on. Thanks for listening. See you in a fortnight. I've been Chica Raz. Goodbye. Goodbye. Podcast Network.